This is Ashley. This is Mallory. We're just really relaxed right now with some incense, some Palo Santo incense wafting through our nostrils. With the promise of pork belly in the future. Yes, my husband is making smoked pork belly. So, <laughs> do with that what you may. <laughs> All yeah. Right, anyways, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's us. We're back. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, as usual been crazy times. Just so much stuff going on all the time. Um, did you do anything for the July Fourth holiday? Well, we went to a cookout, and I got really drunk. <laughs> Brent had to drive me home, and we rode separately, and then I had to Uber back to my car the next day because Brent had to go to his parents' house. Oh, my God. So it really sucked. <laughs> um, America. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, what did you do? Um, oh, you were in Canada. I went to Canada for the 4th of July and did not celebrate, but I did celebrate Canada Day on the 1st. You're such a traitor. <laughs> well, you know, my autonomy over my body has been traded so yeah <laughs> traded 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 betrayed Tra- betrayed, betrayed. <laughs> but yeah it was our first trip back to canada since well my first trip back to canada since covid happened so i got to see my father-in-law and sister-in-law and it was my son's first time on a plane so That's crazy he did really well. Yay, little baby boy. But it was definitely not a relaxing trip at all. I don't think I'll ever have a relaxing trip again unless we, you know, do <laughs> leave, a solo trip. Leave the kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was really fun. I got a tattoo. That's right. I mentioned I was going to be getting a rather large piece. And I did. <laughs> um, all up and down that arm. Yeah, so I had a... I feel weird calling it a piece. A piece? I had a piece done by this artist like August 2019, right before I got pregnant on my upper arm. And I had scheduled this appointment in October. So I've been waiting for a very long time. But I did my forearm and then like a little bit on my upper arm going on the back of my shoulder. And it was like a five hour long session. God. And I talked to the tattoo artist the entire time we had a really really good conversations which i last time i went to her i don't know why i'm telling you this but <laughs> last time i went to her like she just had her earbuds in what do you call them <laughs> Airbud? Uh, airpods <laughs> Ear- no <laughs> airbuds the movie with the dog right? <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> anyway <Airbuds>. so anyway <laughs> oh my god um anyway yeah Oh my God, can I say anyway any more times? I don't know if you can. You might not be able to. You think you've used all of them. So like two hours in, I was just like, you know, I'm super tough. Like I'm, I don't feel this. It's fine. I'm like, just really cool. And then like after that, I was clutching my head the entire rest of the session because it was so painful, but it came out really good. Right now it looks really good. Right now it's kind of peely and scabby, but, and itchy, but yeah. Looks amazing. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I want more ink, babe. People in my life are probably thinking I'm going through a midlife crisis. (laughs) 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 Because the nose piercing, (laughs) the tattoo, they're probably like, what's next? 
probably get your penis pierced, right? (laughs) (laughs) Penis piercings? Yeah. But anyway. So yeah, well, that's cool. I didn't travel anywhere else. My travels have ceased. And I have no plans to travel in the future. But my sister is traveling to me next week. Because next week is Mallory's birthday. Hell yeah. What was that song? It's your birthday. Yeah. (laughs) Turn up for your birthday. Turn up for your birthday. We should have done that. The cupcake thing. Oh, fuck. I didn't even think about it. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yay. There's still next time. Wish Mallory a happy birthday. It's on the 15th, and also my social security number is... (laughs) (laughs) Mallory is a cancer, a beautiful, lovely baby girl cancer. I love it. Yay. Um, Yay for cancers. Yay for emotional... I don't know why. Unstable cancers. But I'm an Aries, obviously. I think I've told you a million times, but um, (laughs) I don't know why, but I just have... I have really good relationships with cancers. Cancers and Tauruses. Anyway. anyway. I don't know anyway. anybody anyway. but yours and Brent's signs and my siblings. Mm. Anyway. Well, I wanted, if it's okay with you, I wanted to talk about a case I've been following pretty closely. Yes, because I really don't know much about it at all. Okay. Because, yeah, I'll text Mallory things here and there, like updates, and I don't know if she reads them or what but i do um, look at them i just haven't done the research you have i think um so i've been following the story of the murder of mariah wilson pretty closely ever since like it happened in may and just like i'll just give a brief story but it takes place in austin texas and caitlin armstrong was a yoga teacher and she lived with her boyfriend who was a professional cyclist and his name was colin strickland so They lived together, they were dating, but they broke up for a short period of time in October. And during that breakup, Colin had a week-long fling with a fellow cyclist from California named Mariah Wilson. And Colin says after the fling, the two just became friends. And, you know, she lives in California, he lives in Texas. They are both cyclists, so they do see each other from time to time at races. But essentially, he says they were friends. That's to be debated. But Caitlin, his girlfriend, and Colin ended up getting back together. But in January, Caitlin learned about the fling between Colin and Mariah. And some sources say that she was completely enraged. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, you'd be very upset. And she always assumed that they were more than friends and, like, maybe still talking. But Colin had Mariah's phone number saved in his phone as a different name and, like, was being super sneaky and just disgusting. Oh, yeah. So, in May, Mariah was in Austin for a race, and Colin had invited her to hang out one day. They went to a swimming pool. (laughs) I don't know, like, who does that? Okay. I guess a lot of people do, not me. But they hung out all day. Dated at the swimming pool. (laughs) And he dropped her off at the apartment she was staying at around 8.30. But around the same time, Caitlin's Jeep Cherokee was seen in the area on surveillance cameras. Oh, boy. So... Hours later, the woman Mariah was staying with found Mariah shot to death in her bathroom. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. 
So it turns out, I guess the story is, or like the thought process is that Caitlin was stalking Mariah and her boyfriend through the Strava app, which is a cycling and like running app. Yeah. And saw them like together at the same time and like leaving. So that's how she found out where she lived. That's kind of like what the the story is. That's so dangerous. Like the Strava app will, you can post basically your track that you took. And yeah, if you are like a regular runner or a cyclist or whatever in the same areas every day, that is like, yeah, a golden ticket to a stalker. I know. So it brings up a whole lot of problems. So after the murder, Caitlin was brought in by police and questioned, but at the time they couldn't keep her. So she was free to go. From there, Caitlin sold her car at CarMax and then just vanished. Surveillance caught her at the Newark airport with a yoga mat strapped to her back four days after Mariah's murder. And she wasn't seen again until just recently, after a 43-day manhunt. That's crazy. So she was found by police at a hostel in Costa Rica where she was teaching yoga classes. Police had searched to see if Caitlin's passport was used, and it wasn't. Like, so... I'm just going to tell you how they found her. They were running her passport. They didn't see that she had left the country. So they started running passports for people that were close to her. And they ended up finding out that her younger sister's passport was used to enter Costa Rica. Oh. When they ended up finding her. Yeah. So I'm wondering if her sister is going to be in deep duty. Yeah. I don't know if she stole the stole passport it, yeah. or. Deep duty. <laughs> Yeah, she's going to be a deep doo-doo. That sucks. When they ended up finding her, Caitlin's hair was cut short and dyed brown, much like her sister. And they also found a receipt for $6,350 that she had paid for plastic surgery. And her appearance was obviously extremely different. Like, she looked like a totally different person. I know. I saw the pictures. It's crazy. After I landed in Canada, I saw that the news that she was being extradited back to the U.S. and that she was caught. And I immediately was like, (laughs) so that's really as much as I know right now. But it's just absolutely insane. Yeah. It's like a movie. It is like a movie. Like, I'm going to get plastic surgery. I'm going to just, like, flee the country. I'm, like, going to start a new identity. This is what I thought the, like, Casey and Vicky White thing was going to turn into. (laughs) Yeah, but they were real dumb. They were really stupid. I can't imagine killing someone, killing the woman. Like, why don't you kill a boyfriend if you're going to kill anyone? That's in those situations where you're being cheated on. Get mad at the person that's doing the cheating. Don't get mad at the person that's cheating with them. Like, that's one thing. They might not even know. (laughs) Yeah. She knew, though, because she, um, Caitlin did, like, call and, like, message this girl several times. Like, stay away. He's my boyfriend. And we don't know if they were actually being romantically involved at this point, but it kind of seems like it because, I mean, they had that fling and why would you continue to hang out with someone Yeah, when your girlfriend is pissed about all that? Yeah. Anyway. That's but a crazy one. I can't wait to see what happens. To kill someone and then just to take off and, like, always be looking over your shoulder and, Dude. like... Get plastic surgery? Did you really think that you're going to have a fulfilling life after this? I literally have nightmares about that. 
Like I have nightmares oh sometimes that I'll accidentally hit someone with my car. Oh and god! I'll just like take off, and then and then I'm always looking over my shoulder, and like oh my god, guilt, dude, the guilt is so strong. <laughs> it's such a weird t- dream, and I have it all the time. Oh my god, that's horrible. So I think I have a really good conscience. Yeah, conscious conscience, conscience, conscious conscience. So I just wanted to share that with you guys because I found it really crazy, and um, I'm I can't wait to see the trial. Yeah, so. She's being charged with murder and also some petty theft or something. I don't know. I don't know what that that is about. The passport, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I I I wonder wonder what happens to the sister. I wonder if she's going to plead guilty or if she'll go to trial. I'm pretty sure she'll go to trial because she has lawyers. Nice. I am amped. Not amped about the situation, (laughs) but... Seeing justice. So amped about the murder. I'm amped for justice. Yeah. (laughs) And trial footage. Drink of the night. Yes. It's so good. And I'm almost done. I know. We're going to have to get a refill before I start my story, I think. Yes. Um, So it's called The New School. It's a very liberal. Pouring. (laughs) No, what I was going to say is. (laughs) It is a very liberal pouring, but I couldn't think of anything (laughs) to do for the drink. So I'm kind of grasping at straws like you did with the (laughs) the wine. Oh, yeah, like the white wine. Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, it is, it's okay. I feel like we edit the recipes like every single time. Yep. But that's what makes us beautiful. That's what makes us unique. And so special and God's and also, children. <laughs> and also that makes us, I was about to say baristas, but we're mixologists. mixologists. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Can we say the same thing more? Um, anyway. I thought you were saying anyway. So anyway. No. Fuck. But you did say anyway a lot already. So <laughs> it's whiskey. It just says whiskey, but I got bourbon. Which is whiskey, obviously. Why am I doing this to myself? Stop talking. <laughs> Jesus Christ of Saturday nights. <laughs> Jesus Christ of Saturday nights. Yeah. Gather I think myself for a second, okay? The, whis- the whiskey or bourbon, whatever, has taken effect. Has it already? I think a little bit. It must. God damn it. Anyways, so it's bourbon, it's lemon juice, it's supposed to be ginger. Simple syrup, which I did not feel like making because there's, I'm pretty sure nobody that sells that. And then soda water. So I took ginger simple syrup and soda water, threw it away, and (laughs) I replaced it with ginger beer. (laughs) So that's just called ingenuity. (laughs) Thank you. Of high IQ. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Um, So yeah, uh, what we're drinking is whiskey, lemon juice, and ginger beer. It's two shots of whiskey. And it called for an ounce or like a shot of lemon juice, but that's like way too much in my opinion. So we did a half. Yep. And then two ounces of ginger beer. I don't remember what the portions are for the original recipe. So look it up if you want it. Yeah, it's really good. It's like a Kentucky mule sitch ovation. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I wasn't convinced at first. I thought it was too lemony at first, but then I got used to the lemon. Now I like it. Mm. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So yeah, that's uh, our drink of the night. And hopefully you'll draw some lines in between why I chose this one and the story. <laughs> I think you will, but it's not anything revelationary. Revelationary. <laughs> revolutionary. My Christ. Are we ready to start the story? Do you have anything else? Um, I don't have anything else, but I do need to get a refill. Oh, right. We're going to take a mini break and we'll be right back, but we're not going to put music in this <laughs> one because it's not the real break. Maybe we will. I don't know. Bye, bitch. <laughs> Slut. Bye. We're done. Bye. Slut. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Hey. Back to you, Ashley. Hi. so yeah i will tell you my story now (laughs) ma'am sorry that picture so zoomed in i couldn't fit it on the slide (laughs) okay so shanda sharer was born in the pineville community hospital in pineville kentucky on june 6th 1979 to steve sharer and his wife jackie after shanda's parents divorced, her mother remarried, and the family moved to Louisville, Kentucky. There, Shanda attended fifth and sixth grades at St. Paul School, where she was on the cheerleading, volleyball, and softball teams. When her mother divorced again, the family moved in June 1991 to New Albany, Indiana, in order to be closer to her father, and Shanda enrolled at Hazelwood Middle School. And just as a side note, every time I say Shanda, I want to say Shonda because it's spelled S-H-A-N-D-A, but it is pronounced Shanda. The school was probably 10 times bigger than the school she had been to previously, and Shanda was nervous about making friends. The night before the first day of school, Shanda and her mom spent three hours trying on outfits. The first couple of days went well. Then on the third day, Jackie gets a call from the assistant principal. One of the girls she had made friends with wanted to break up with her boyfriend and wanted to give back the ring that he had given her. Shanda, for some reason, had volunteered to give the ring back to the boy for the girl. And the boy was kind of shocked when Shanda gave the ring back, kind of like thinking that it's none of your business. Why are you doing this? Hmm. She should have been the one to give it back to me. Middle school, though? Middle school. I forgot to change that slide. So take a look because I got to change it again. (laughs) Oh, she's so cute. She is super cute. She's 12. Oh, I don't know about in all those photos. This one's probably a little younger, but she has the quintessential 90s curly. Yes, her mom or either her mom or her stepmom, I can't remember, said that whenever she did her hair, that was like there was like at least a can of spray paint, spray paint, (laughs) (laughs) hairspray in her hair. Shows how much we use hairspray. (laughs) (laughs) About that time, a girl named Amanda Heverin came over to confront Shanda. Amanda was the boy's cousin. Amanda said Shanda shouldn't be butting in where she didn't belong and threw Shanda to the ground. Jeez. Yeah. A teacher broke up the fight and Amanda walked away unscathed. Shanda had a nasty bump on her head. After the fight, Shanda and Amanda were put in detention together for a week. 
Miraculously, rather than fighting in detention, the girls actually became friends. Aww. Jackie, which is uh, Shanda's mom, came home one day after the girls had detention and found that Amanda was at the house hanging out with Shanda. Jackie was shocked to find out that this was the girl that had started the fight with Shanda. Oh, nice. What? (laughs) I said, oh, nice. Okay. I don't get it. Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) Was that sarcastic? I mean, nice that, like, they became friends. Oh, well, yes. But Jackie told Shanda that Amanda really wasn't the type of girl she should be friends with. But Shanda said that Amanda was not really like that, and she was really nice. So Jackie eventually accepted Amanda. There were personal details about Amanda's life that Shanda didn't share with her mother. Amanda had an on-again, off-again relationship with another girl named Melinda Loveless. Whoa. I know. In the 90s. Middle school. Middle school. Girls. This girl looks older than middle school, right? Yeah, and they... <sighs> Melinda looks, in these photos, looks older than middle school. Yes, she does. I think it's partially, like, the hair and makeup, too. Mm, mm-hmm. But they do... I, I remember um, looking at yearbooks from, like, my early elementary school years and looking at, like, the seniors and stuff in those yearbooks, and they look like 40-year-olds to me. Yeah. It's so weird. That was also in the 90s. <laughs> Melinda was a glamorous Julia Roberts lookalike, as described in the Investigation Discovery docuseries called The 1990s, The Deadliest Decade. (laughs) And uh, Melinda was 16 years old, a year older than her classmates. Melinda had to repeat a year in school, so she was older. Mm. Amanda and Melinda were open about their relationship, which was pretty rare for the time period, and especially in a small town in Indiana. Despite the public beliefs about homosexuality, the girls were not ashamed, and the relationship was very serious to both of them. That's beautiful. Love. However, things started to break down. Melinda was very controlling, and Amanda didn't like that. And Amanda, when she actually met Shanda, because Shanda was so young, started to actually see her as someone that she could shape and someone that she could control as well. So how old, like, what's the age difference between Shanda, Amanda, and Melinda? Melinda's 16. I don't exactly know the age of Amanda, but I'm assuming if she was in the same grade as Melinda, that she was probably 15 or 14, maybe. And how old was... Shanda was 12. Oh, my God. She was a baby. Okay, I didn't realize that there was such an age difference. Yeah. So Amanda broke away from Melinda, and she decided to pursue Shanda. Amanda decided the way she was going to get to Shanda's heart was through notes passed at school. Amanda would compliment Shanda on her appearance and her clothing. Amanda one day wrote her and asked her if she liked girls. Shanda was only 12. She had previously been boy crazy, but never over girls. Despite this, Amanda kept pursuing and laying it on thick. The girls became closer. With the school dance quickly approaching, Shanda agreed to go as Amanda's date. 
The night went perfectly and the girls had a ball. That is, until Melinda showed up. When Melinda saw the girls, she became jealous. Melinda confronted them. She gave Shanda a warning to stay away from Amanda. The warning was ignored, however, and Shanda continued to see Amanda. Soon, Shanda's mom started to see worrying changes in her daughter. Shanda started failing a lot of her classes, and Jackie found out that Amanda had taught Shanda how to sign Jackie's signature. Shanda had been signing her mom's name on all the progress reports. Jackie says that every time that Shanda got in trouble, it was with Amanda Hebron. Oh, no. And Amanda was in trouble a lot. <sighs> Jackie told Shanda that she couldn't see Amanda anymore. But Shanda kept seeing Amanda behind her mom's back. Her secret, though, did not stay under wraps for long. Shanda had written Amanda a letter and she put it in the mail, but didn't put a stamp on it. So the letter came back to the house. (laughs) Jackie read the letter. It was obvious from the letter that Shanda and Amanda had some degree of sexual contact. Oh my God. Shanda's mom in her interview said she did not care if she was a lesbian. She was more concerned that Shanda was being pressured by an older girl to do these things. She was only 12. And she didn't think that Shanda was ready for such a mature relationship. That's actually disgusting. A 16, 15-year-old with a 12-year-old. Yeah. complete night and day. Yes. Even if it was a boy and girl. Right. Oh, my God. You're not even a teenager. You're just 12. (laughs) Only 12 years on Earth. So early in the school year, Shanda transferred to Our Lady of Perpetual Help School, which was a Catholic school in New Albany. Within three weeks, Shanda had made new friends and was going to try out for cheerleading. Jackie says her old child came back. Amanda tried to keep in touch with Shanda, but Shanda was busy with her new friends. Amanda didn't like being ignored. On January 2nd, 1992, Shanda wrote a letter to a friend complaining about Amanda. Shanda was ready to move on from her life at Hazelwood Middle School and Amanda. On January 11th, 1992, around 10.45 a.m., just outside Madison, Indiana, a local hunter headed out to his favorite spot on rural Lemon Road. He looked over and thought he saw something, but he wasn't sure, so he took another look. There was a burned human body laying on the ground. What? He called law enforcement, and they arrived 20 minutes later. Homicide detectives with Indiana State Police, along with CSI officer Curtis Wells, reported to process the scene. It appeared to be the body of a young woman. The smell of burning flesh wafted through the air. So it was, it was recent. Yes. Oh my god. Ugh. The body was wrapped in a blanket, but her arms were stuck in the air with her hands in clenched <gasps> fists. Oh my god, it's so scary. It's horrifying. Police, who is it? Do we know? Did you say? Oh, let me continue. (laughs) You'll find out. (laughs) Police found a soft drink bottle that smelled of accelerant. Investigators check missing persons reports for any missing young women, but none matched the description of the victim. 
Officer Curtis Wells noted that the body was pretty much left out in the open, like easy to discover. Why would somebody leave a body out in the open when they were so close to the woods? Because this hunter was like in the woods hunting. He came mm-hmm. out to a clearing and the body is just there. Like, oh my God. In Wrapped in a blanket, fists in the air. Yeah. They could tell like what they looked like. They could only tell that it was a young woman. They couldn't tell her age. They couldn't tell anything. Satanic panic was still in full swing in the 1990s. Oh, yeah. Not far from the crime scene, there's an abandoned house deemed the Witch's Castle by locals. Kids would gather there on Halloween and any time of year and drink and party, and the kids that dabbled in the occult would do rituals there. Could this be a crime of the occult? (laughs) Once all the evidence had been collected from the crime scene, investigators called the coroner to pick up the body for autopsy. They prepare for a long investigation ahead, but first they need to identify the victim. Around 9.30 that night, a distraught 15-year-old walks into the Indiana State Police Department with her parents. Her name was Tony Lawrence, and she says she knows something about a murder. On January 10th, 1992, at 11.30 p.m., so we were just on January 11th. This is January 10th, okay. the day before. So on January 10th, 1992, at 11.30 p.m., Shanda was watching TV at her father Steve's house. Steve told her to turn the TV off in half an hour and go to bed. At 7.30 the next morning, Steve was making coffee when his wife Sharon came out and said that Shanda wasn't in her room. In fact, she wasn't in the house at all. Steve and Sharon panicked and started searching the town for Shanda. With no sign of Shanda, Steve makes a phone call to Jackie, Shanda's mom, and tells her they cannot find her. Fifteen minutes later, Jackie arrives at Steve's house and notices Shanda's purse is on the table. Jackie knew Shanda didn't go anywhere without that purse. So Shanda's parents file a missing persons report with the police. They provide the police with all the information that they can think of. At a loss of what else to do, Shanda's parents spend time calling everyone they can think of that Shanda might have been with. They called Amanda Heverin, and she denied that she had seen Shanda. She suggested calling another person that might know. And Jackie's mom became suspicious. But for the time being, there was nothing they could do about the suspicions. Who did she suggest to call? They didn't say. I don't know. Hmm. But I guess they just kind of thought that they were, she was like diverting oh, attention or whatever. Gosh. Yeah. This is my break spot. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. My God. You're way ahead of me, babe. So we're going to take a break. Sounds good to me. Another one. Can I just say this witch's castle looks lovely? Mm, I think mm -hmm. this looks so cool. It does look really cool. It's like a little small, we'll post a picture on the Instagram, but it's a little small stone building with like tall arched windows and a chimney type thing. It looks really cool. I love it. It's neat. But the satanic panic thing is so weird. I like, know. Do people even actually do satanic rituals and stuff? 
I mean, I think they do, but I don't think they do anything. Like, <laughs> especially in the 90s, like, wh- where did they find it? Like a library book? <laughs> That's so true. How did it even start? I wonder how it started. Heavy metal music, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh my God. <gasps> I see you, penis. <laughs> oh my God, I see penis. I saw penis. <laughs> Dude. Dude! <laughs> I can't believe I just saw that. I need a curtain. Your neighbors need a curtain. They obviously have no clue that they're <laughs> exposing it all to the world. Oh my god, I just saw a teenager's penis. I mean, we don't know. I thought it was their son or whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, mean, I think they have sons that are like, I don't know, older. Older. Okay. Well, maybe it wasn't a teenager's uh, penis. Don't take me to jail. Probably. For that. I don't know. Don't take me to jail. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, break. Yeah, it's break time. <laughs> Goodbye. And we're back. On the break, we made dinner reservations for Mallory's birthday. Yeah. There's this really good restaurant in Atlanta called St. Cecilia. That's where we went for my birthday. It is. And so that's what we're doing for my birthday. I'm not doing a party or anything at all. And we just decided that that's what I'm doing for my birthday. (laughs) And Mallory's sister's coming into town from Asheville. That is my sister who also has a podcast called Fringe Theory. Listen to it. Yes. So yeah. I'm so excited to see Abby. I know. It's crazy. Ashley and Abby used to live together too. Yeah. We used to be roommates. It's going to be good. Okay, let's get back to the story. All right, back to the story. Tony Lawrence, the girl that walked into the police station with her parents, had a grim story to tell. Tony was visibly upset. She told police that some girls she was with the night before had bragged that they were going to go to the witch's castle and kill a girl. Oh my God. Yeah. How old is Tony? Sixteen. Like yes, I think something around that age. Yeah, these are all high school. Middle I, school. I mean, sorry, middle school. High maybe school. yeah, in between middle and high school age. That is insane. I know. <laughs> oh my god. She said that she had never met the victim in her entire life and didn't know the last name of the girl, but knew that her first name was Shanda. She also knew that she was staying in Clark County. While the interview continues, Officer Wells contacts the Sheriff's Department in Clark County to see if they have a missing persons report for someone named Shanda. Since Shanda's father had made a report, they did have one, and all the information was given to the Indiana State Police. They compared the descriptions and they were a match. I know. The body was burned so badly that they could not tell her age. Oh my god. Once they had all the information, another detective went to Steve Scherer's home at around midnight. The detective broke the news to the Scherer's that Shanda had been murdered. Oh no! I know. Shanda's mom started screaming. 
Steve laid down and kept saying, my baby, my baby. Oh, my God. It was horrible. Little girl. But it got a lot worse when they found out what happened to her. Oh, no. God, this, like, this weighs on me so much as a parent. Like, yeah. There's thunder. I don't know. There's thunder. Sorry if anyone can hear that. To think that something like this could happen to your kid when they're so young. Oh, my God. I, I would rather die. Yeah. Ugh. On January 12th, 1991, Jackie, who is Shanda's mom, was watching TV when the news showed a story about Shanda. The report said that Shanda had died of smoke inhalation and was apparently still alive when she was set on fire. Oh my god! No one had told Jackie this information yet, and she learned it what from the, the news. What the fuck? Yeah. How does that even happen? I don't know. I literally can't think in my brain like how someone from the police department had not told her what happened to her. JB, you know, and <laughs> what? News Daddy would never do this to us. No, they would Brian never. And they would always <laughs> They would always check with the family first. That's right. That's, That's right. journalism. That's proper journalism. Don't do that, journalists. Don't Pull the cart before the horse, or whatever the term is. Yeah. You need to talk to the family. That is so fucking wretched. Wretched. That is a good word for it. Wretched. God damn that lightning. Holy shit. Thunder and lightning right now. It's Shanda saying, Whoa. (laughs) Shanda saying, This is not good, guys. It's not good. What happened to her was not good. So during Tony's police interview, she tells police that she and her friend Hope went along with their friend Lori Tackett to a punk rock concert. All three teens attended Madison Consolidated High School. Madison, Indiana is 50 miles away from New Albany, so what could these girls possibly know about Shanda Scherer? None of them had ever met Shanda, and until tonight, Hope and Tony had no plans to. Hope and Tony had been friends since kindergarten, and it's Hope that introduced Tony to Lori Tackett. Hope and Lori were friends, but there's no doubt that Tony thought Lori was strange. Lori had a boycott-style hair, blonde, and wore all black and looked like a goth. (laughs) It's spooky. Spooky. It's only when Tony gets in the car to go to the concert that Lori reveals her true and terrifying intentions. Lori asks Hope, have you told Tony yet? And Tony's going, what? Tell me what? And Lori says, we're going to kill a little girl tonight. What the fuck? Yeah. And Lori is like the same age as all these other kids? I think she's a little older. I think she's 18. What the fuck? Yeah. Tony at the time just thought it was some kind of sick joke. Yeah. Because who does that? Who does that? Right. Seriously. As Lori drives, she tells them they are picking up another friend of hers who they don't know. And it's this friend who wants to kill the little girl. Who is it? Amanda? (laughs) I'll tell you. (laughs) A few hours later, around midnight... 
The girls arrive at Shanda's house with a plan to lure her out. The plan was that Hope and Tony would tell Shanda that Amanda was waiting for her and that they would all go out together. Tony, at this point, still doesn't believe that they're going to hurt this little child. What she thinks is that they're just going to scare her. So when Shanda first opened the door, she didn't know who these girls were. She was confused and, like, leery of the girls. Like, who are you? Like, why are you here? But the minute it was explained that they were friends of Amanda, that changed the whole picture for Shanda. It had been two months since Shanda left her old school and life behind. But young love can be a fickle flame. Mm. She sneaks out. She wants to see Amanda. Shanda gets in the car, and there's no Amanda. The girls told her that Amanda was waiting for her at the witch's castle. Shanda, intrigued that Amanda still wants to see her, agrees to the spur of the moment trip. Suddenly, Lori's friend, who is hiding and lying in wait on the floorboard, springs up. The mysterious fourth passenger of the car is not Amanda. It's Melinda Loveless, Amanda's ex-girlfriend. Oh my god. She grabs Shanda by the hair and puts a knife to her throat and says, Shut up, bitch. Based on Tony's confession, Indiana State Police arrest Melinda Loveless and Lori Tackett for the murder of Shanda Scherer. Less than one day after her body was found brutalized and burned. Shortly after the arrests, Officer Wells combs Lori's car for evidence. There was a tire iron that appeared to have bodily fluids on it. Oh my god. There was blood. There was hair. The car was filled with evidence. Authorities could now move forward with the prosecution of the teens. This rain is so loud. (laughs) It is very loud. And Mallory has a slide up of Lori Tackett and Melinda Lovelace's mugshots. And I have to say, Melinda is just cheesing it up. Yeah, she is. Which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. Why would you smile? After Why would you, you smile? murdered, like, after you were involved in a murder. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm sorry if you can hear this rain, because it's really loud. It is so it's loud. It's so loud. It's like, we're probably, we probably should duck and cover. My husband is getting the pork belly out of the grill. Oh, shit. In the rain. <laughs> it is Sorry, literally Tudor. pouring, guys. And thunder, lightning, the whole shebang. Yeah. You're going to hear thunder in one, three, two, one. No. Um, no. I saw lightning, so. You know how it goes. <laughs> When interviewed by investigators, both Lori and Melinda point fingers at one another. Detectives fan out to speak to family, classmates, teachers, and friends to build their case and try to understand what led to the brutal act. As detectives delve into Melinda's past, they uncover a history of disturbing behavior. Oh my god. Melinda's father was a monster. 
Melinda lived in a household that was filled with physical, sexual, and violent abuse. Oh my god. Her father was later convicted of that. Melinda developed into a violent teen with an intense, jealous streak. She actually sprayed mace in someone's face when this boy was bothering Amanda. Melinda had to have it all, and it had to be her way. Investigators discover that several months earlier, Amanda Heverin's father had filed a complaint after finding alarming letters written by Melinda Loveless. One of them makes Melinda's motive and intention clear. She had written to Amanda threatening to kill Shanda, saying how much she hated her. But it wasn't until the fall of 1991 that Melinda found someone who would help her set her plan in motion, Lori Tackett. They met through mutual friends and soon discovered that they have a lot in common. Lori also had a difficult upbringing in a fundamentalist home, so she rebelled by immersing herself in Satanism and witchcraft. Lori wasn't just involved in the occult. She was fascinated with fire and arson. She talked about how she wanted to burn somebody. Oh my god. She talked about how she wanted to stick a knife into somebody's stomach to feel what it felt like. Oh my lord. Who does that? The product of a fundamentalist. Right? I don't know. I mean, if you're a teen and your parents are fundamentalists, you're going to want to rebel. And how better to do that than to practice Satanism? Exactly. She had a true bloodlust. The two girls realized that they each have a need that the other can fulfill. Police deduced that the girls just needed someone that could lure Shanda out of the house. That's where Hope and Tony fit in. But they wound up participating in an unimaginable night of cruelty and torture. Oh my god. Oh no. On March 16, 1992, Tony Lawrence and Hope Rippey are charged for their roles in Shanda's death. The judge rules the four teens will be tried as adults, and with the evidence of aggravating circumstances, Melinda Loveless and Lori Tackett are eligible for the death penalty. Isn't that crazy? Oh my god. Prosecutor Guy Townsend was on a mission to make sure that they face the consequences of their actions. He made it very clear that if the plea agreement wasn't entered into, he was going to proceed on the death penalty. Lori and Melinda both take a plea deal. They decided to plead guilty in return for Guy taking the death penalty off the table. Hope and Tony also plead guilty. None of the girls would stand trial, but all four faced sentencing hearings. On December 14th, 1992, Melinda Loveless's hearing began, and the gruesome details of Shanda's tragic last night were finally revealed. Oh no! (laughs) After Shanda Scherer was lured into Lori's car, Melinda threatened to slit her throat. The girls drove off with a terrified Shanda in their grasp. Their first stop was the witch's castle. Lori was fascinated by this place. She believed that nine witches were burned at that castle, 
And she talked about knowing the spirits who were there. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Shanda did what any human being would do, which is beg and plead. Lori produced two pieces of rope. She tied Shanda's wrists, and Melinda tied her ankles. Tony Lawrence claimed she looked on in horror at the scene, but she did nothing to stop it. Melinda punched Shanda really hard and hurt her pretty bad. They tried to slice her throat, but the knife was too dull. Oh, God. The girls then turned to strangling her into unconsciousness and threw her into the trunk of Lori's car. They took off, with Shanda still clinging to life. Shanda suffered unbelievable pain and agony for hour after hour. The girls drove all night, occasionally stopping to beat Shanda some more. As the sun rose, Shanda was still trapped in Lori's trunk. Shanda was making so much noise in the trunk that they pulled over. Lori Tackett got out and went to the trunk and hit Shanda in the head with a tire iron. Oh my god. And the girls just laughed about it. What the fuck? All of them? Like, I don't know about all of them, but at least some of them. Oh my god. This is so brutal. Yeah. Ultimately, the last stop they made was to buy a two-liter bottle of Pepsi. They filled the Pepsi container with gasoline. Oh, my God. According to Tony, Lori told everyone that they were going to burn Shanda and end her life once and for all. So they took Shanda out to Lemon Road near Madison, and both Lori Tackett and Hope Rippey stood over her, poured gasoline on her body, and lit it. What the fuck? Hope Rippey looks... Psycho and her mugshot. Warning Fair graphic. Warning. Fair warning. warning graphic. Oh my god, we're gonna see something graphic. Oh my god. They testified that the last thing she said was, quote, mommy. Oh, baby girl. That's so horrible. So sad. Lori and Melinda tried to put the blame on each other, but neither girl was successful. On January 4th, 1993, Melinda and Lori were both sentenced to 60 years in prison. Not long after, Hope was also sentenced to 60 years. Tony was the least culpable of the group. One of the most played videos in the media was Tony screaming into the cameras in anguish about what her life had become. But Shanda's mother had no sympathy for Tony. Jackie believes that there were so many opportunities for someone to stop the whole ordeal. But Tony didn't speak up. She was sentenced to 20 years. Shanda's father never recovered from losing his baby girl. Oh my god. He drank himself to death. Oh no. After he died, he was buried next to Shanda. Tony was released from prison on December 14th, 2000, after serving nine years. She remained on parole until December 2002. On April 28th, 2006, Hope was released from Indiana Women's Prison on parole after serving 14 years of her original sentence. 
She remained on supervised parole for five years until April 2011. Lori was released from Rockville Correctional Facility on January 11, 2018, the 26th anniversary of Shanda's death, after serving nearly 26 years and has completed an additional year of parole. Melinda was released from Indiana Women's Prison on September 5th, 2019. For real? For real. After serving 26 plus years in prison, and she will serve parole in Jefferson County, Kentucky. Oh, my lord. What? I guess because they were minors, right? I think so. And they took a plea deal, and then probably like good behavior or some bullshit. They're like released earlier like well, their ple- their appeals or whatever i really hope that they are fully developed in their brain now and they're good people they're they should be in their 40s now i think i mean being raised in prison is not going to make you an ideal citizen i'm sure no so i read on reddit there was a, somebody that made a post it was like, I can't believe Melinda's getting released, you know, in 2019. It was from a few years ago. And, or no, actually, she had already been released. So somebody was like, I can't believe she got released. And then one of the commenters said that they had trained dogs with her. So Melinda, I guess, is a dog trainer and is really good at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, Apparently, Shanda's mom. Let me look at the comment. Hang on. It's weird because they're all so young, you know, like. They're so young. When you're that age, it's not even real life, you know? Right. It's not. It's not an excuse, but it's like you're living life like it's. uh, I can't even explain it, but like, oh my God. So sad. So I'm just going to read this comment from Reddit. It said, okay, so the post was, have any of y'all listened to the Shanda Sharer case? One of the killers, the literal mastermind Melinda Loveless got released. And the top comment was, I worked with Melinda because she trained a dog for the nonprofit I worked for. The dog was a therapy dog for adult and child victims of sexual assault and domestic violence. I was there when Shanda's mother donated Angel to be trained by Melinda. She did a horrible thing, and she seemed truly deeply remorseful to me in the weeks my coworkers and I spent with her. She's incredible with dogs. She was their top trainer. Our criminal justice system is supposed to be about rehabilitation, and in this particular case, it seems to have worked. That's good. That's good. I don't know if you can really say that based on just dog training, but whatever. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah, I mean, and also just like one comment from one person. Yeah. Plus, I think that really the fucked up one was Lori Tackett. Because Melinda just was jealous and yeah. wanted this person eliminated. She didn't have like that, that desire. murderous desire. Lori was oh. the one that actually wanted, like just out of nowhere, wanted to kill somebody, you know? Yeah. So 
in saying that, like, just a chance relationship as a middle schooler could turn into this. I know. I know that when I was younger, my mom was very protective and would always be like, you can't see this person. You can't see that person. Like, you shouldn't hang out with them. They're a bad influence. Like, for my case, it wasn't true. But, like, for some people's case. Yeah. It's very true. Like this. Yeah. But, I mean. And how can you know? How can you you know? You can't. I mean, Shanda's mom was like you probably shouldn't hang out with this girl. And then Shanda was like, no, she's fine. Whatever. And then they ended up hanging out. And But and, then, like, Amanda actually wasn't involved. It was just the ex-girlfriend. So sad. I know. When I w- was first reading about the story, I was like, oh, it was for sure Amanda. And it was not. It was a jealous ex-lover. Which is crazy to have in high school. A crazy ex-lover in Middle high school. school. Middle school. Yeah. Well, they were in high school. They, I think, were in high school, yeah. But, um, well, some of them. I think Melinda was held back, so she might still have been, like, the what? oldest grade in high school. I mean, middle school, you maybe. You go to high school at ninth grade, and you're, like, 14. <sighs> You're 14 when you go to so, high school. They met each other at Hazelwood Middle School. I guess different places have longer middle schools, shorter middle schools. Yeah, I'm really not sure how that works out because that that makes sense. Because like in eighth grade, I was 13, so that doesn't make sense. My middle school was seventh and eighth grade. Mine was. Sixth and seventh, and then high school was eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. That's weird. So, like, yeah. are you a pre freshman, sub freshman? What? Yep, that's not a subby. That's not, <laughs> I've never heard that's what that. We called them as, or us was subbies. I've never heard sub freshman. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Oh my god, I just pulled that out of the recesses of my brain. I have not thought I'm about a that subby. in so long. A subby. <laughs> That's insane. I know. I know. It's crazy. Poor Shanda. It's a horrible story, folks. Sorry to Im- impose it upon you. Do you know anything about, like, what's going on with the rest of the people? Or, like, no. Tony and... I I am just assuming they probably are using different names. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Yeah. Um, I do know that Amanda is active on social media because I found a lot of those pictures of her. Actually, not the ones I put in the slideshow, but I saw a lot of other pictures of her now from her social media accounts. Mm. Wow. But Amanda had nothing to do with it, so. Right. Wow. Man, just makes me want to be more hyper-vigilant as a parent. Well, don't become a helicopter parent. Yeah. But, yes. You never know. And it's out of your control, really. It is. It's not something you can control at all. Yeah. I mean, 
Ugh. If Shanda's parents could have controlled it, they would have. <laughs> but we're talking about me here. Like, I could probably figure out a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. <laughs> I believe you. Not that I could ever change anything. I can't wait till you detective your child out of the... Oh. No, just I'm kidding. Just, he's going to be such a good boy. He, he never... is. I'm just lucky he's a boy. If he was a girl, I'd be like, I must protect her at all costs. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's it, baby. Um, my sources: Investigation Discoveries, the 1990s, the deadliest decade, and Wikipedia. <laughs> and that is it, because <laughs> the documentary really went into everything I needed to know. I feel like so. Wow, it was good. Thank you for that. You're welcome for putting another horrible story in your brain. And I just need to let everyone know that on the break, my husband brought out the pork belly because there was a huge storm and it was so good. Oh my God. Dude, this pork belly, this pork belly was so delicious. Melt it in your mouth. (laughs) I mean, really, I hear him coming right now. (laughs) He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. It was so good. Can you come and say a few words about the pork belly? He says no. He says no. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you to a few people that left us really nice reviews on the Apple podcast. Yes. We had a couple really sweet reviews come through, and we are very grateful. You can find us on Instagram at Rabbit Hole Happy Hour, Twitter, Rabbit Hole Happy Nope. Rabbit. We don't even do Twitter, so why are we even I don't even that? know why we advertise Twitter, because like I said last episode, it's literally you and me following the Twitter, so. <laughs> it's rabbit hole HH pod on Twitter, but yeah. we don't really. But join the Facebook group, because you guys can also, like, post and converse and, you know, talk to each other totally. and everything on there. It's really fun. Fun. At least it will be if you guys participate. It would be fun, but no one's talking except. Well, we us. had our first post the other day, and I think it was because I didn't post the episode, so they were just like, "I'm gonna post," because <laughs> I was like literally brain dead. Well, that's all right. But yeah, you can leave comments on the Facebook group and just like have discussions. It's totally cool. We're yeah, all you about can make it. your own new post about something. It's all right. Do it. As long as it's not about porn. (laughs) Don't talk about boobies. Porn or poops. Don't talk about naked boobies and (laughs) vagines. Anyway, Mallory's birthday is on Thursday. No, Friday. Mallory's birthday is on Friday. My my birthday is on Friday. I'm turning 35. And we're going to force feed her pasta. And... And... That cheese with the <gasps> the whipped ricotta Prosci- with honey oh and my the fucking God. shit prosciutto <laughs> a prosciutto bitch it's so good I'm gonna shove some prosciutto down my throat like a dryer sheet <laughs> yeah all right anyways this has gone on long enough <laughs> love y'all love y'all so much keep sweet. Keep sweet. Kiss my ass. Kiss my ass and my beans. Kiss my grits. Kiss my grits. <laughs>
Bye-bye. Bye.